ESPN Radio. What's good, brothers and sisters? He's Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us in ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, as well as ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. You're 15 minutes away from where does Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray really rank when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFC? That comes your way in about 15 minutes. Hey, Freddie C., we got to have a conversation about that because I just heard the update from Christine Lisi and Uh what Bart Scott had to say about what Kyler Murray is doing, (laughs) and I can't wait to pick that apart. So please stay tuned for that. If you hear my voice right now, you're going to want to hear it in about 15 minutes. I can promise you that. I wish they could have heard Chris when he said, like that. When I heard that, I said, oh, boy, in 10 minutes it's about to get saucy when he's going to talk about that. It's going down. Yeah, but now you're going to wait 15 minutes. It's going to be 10 minutes away right here on ESPN Radio. But let's talk about the state of the Brooklyn Nets. Nobody does it better, in my opinion, than my man Christian Winfield, the Brooklyn Nets, and the NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. He is a great follow on Twitter at Chris Splash. He joins me and Chris Canty right now on ESPN Radio. We know they got the win over the Bucks on Saturday night. Kyrie Irving looked like the Kyrie Irving of old, and it didn't take a lot of time for him to get back to that. How much momentum, Christian, do you believe that they're able to give to the Brooklyn Nets, even without Kevin Durant and without Ben Simmons? When I tell you last night's win uh, over the Bucks was huge for so many reasons. Number one, we already know who's not in the game. No Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons, no Joe Harris. And for, for anyone just looking at that game from the outside, looking in, you, you're thinking that's a scheduled loss. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we're going to lose to the defending champions. Let's move on. That was not the case. And, and I asked Bruce Brown about it this morning at shoot around. He goes, yeah, you know, this is basically why we're so confident in our abilities when we get everybody healthy. He said it's going to be scary when we get all our guys. And when you consider the way that they beat the Bucks last night, granted it was a wire-to-wire game, you add Kevin Durant to that mix, you're adding 29 points and a defensive presence. You add Ben Simmons to that mix, and I know people are still trying to figure out what that fit looks like. But no matter what, as soon as you add Ben Simmons, you're improving your defense and you're pushing that pace. Ben Simmons plays in transition. Uh, and, and now you're starting to look at the standings, and sure, the Nets have a lot of ground to make up, but remember, Kyrie can only play on the road, and the Nets might not have home court advantage, mm-hmm. right? Then They might not have home court advantage for the entire playoff stretch. So you're telling me they're going to have Kyrie for the majority of their games in the playoffs? That's That works in the Nets' favor. So the Nets are a confident group right now for sure. Um, they are definitely smelling themselves a little bit after that victory over the Bucks. When you consider the Bucks the team that knocked them out of the second round of the playoffs last year, it was a big game for them. Uh, and they're still working Goran Dragic into the mix. They're still working Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. Uh, this is a team that's going to be really working guys into the mix all season. Joe Harris is back trying to – he's in and out of practice right now. He's kind of trying to find his footing. Um, and if he's able to also go at some point this year, I mean, you've got a loaded team from top to bottom. Uh, Nets fans and the Nets themselves should be – Uh, confident right now because this looks like a team that's getting ready for the second half of the season. Christian, you brought up Ben Simmons. Now, there are reports out there that are saying he's likely not to play in that March 10th matchup with the Sixers down in Philadelphia and that he did suffer a low back injury in the ramp up uh, with, with the Brooklyn Nets and trying to get him ready to play. So what's the expectation? What's the timeline for when we're actually going to see Ben Simmons in a Brooklyn Nets uniform? You know, that, that's kind of the, the big mystery here. And Steve Nash made sure not to call it an injury, right? He said it's just lower back soreness that is accustomed, that, that a player should expect when he's ramping up. Uh, and, and when you consider Ben Simmons really hasn't been playing with an NBA team all season until he got here, I know mm. a lot of Nets fans, people don't want to hear it. 
but he's having and he had some low he had some back swing as while well. he was in Philly as well that's one of the things that he said he had so whether or not he plays in the March 10th game I know everybody's going to say he's ducking that game he's scared yep. we don't know what it's actually going to be because he's not out here talking to us uh, but the Nets are saying it's, it's a it's a mix of him getting back into game shape, his conditioning, a lower back soreness. Um, Bruce Brown said he is he has been working out with the team. He said he hasn't been able to see what he's doing in his individual work. But he said he's hopping into some of these team workouts and participating in some of these drills. So that's a step forward. Whether or not he's going to be able to take the floor and what is that, 11 days? I'm not sure. I, I'm erring on the side of no. He probably won't be able to play in that game. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's just one game on the schedule. And if the Nets can have him for all the – even at, say he comes back right after that game. Say he misses the March 10th game and comes back March 11th, March 12th. Sure, can you say he's ducking that game? Fine, whatever you want to say. But the big picture is the Nets want him on the floor. They want him healthy for the long stretch. And if the Nets see the Sixers in the playoffs, which is it, – it could be likely if you take a look at how James Harden and Joel Embiid are playing, there's no ducking that series, right? Mm. I think Ben Simmons is going to be ready for that, so – We'll see. Nets fans are going to have to wait and, and, and see how he looks. But from what Bruce Brown and, and Andre Drummer were saying, that shooting around today, Ben looks happy uh, and he's making progress. A man who ran three miles while talking about the Brooklyn Nets on Twitter space is because he can. He's Christian <laughs> Winfield from the New York Daily News as a Brooklyn Nets and NBA reporter joining Freddie Coleman and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. The bigger question to me, whenever Ben Simmons gets out there, I get it. I understand it. Whether he's going to be there or not, so be it. But when is Kevin Durant going to get back on the basketball court? That's a great question. You know, if you're if I'm a betting man, I'm looking at that Toronto, that uh that Thursday game coming up against the Miami Heat. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Kevin Durant in either of these back-to-back games coming up right now. I know the Nets play today against Toronto and then they fly to Toronto tomorrow to play them again, which is kind of a crazy uh, uh set of games. But after that, you know, Steve Nash has been saying, "Hey, I think Steve Nash said last week that we're going to see Kevin Durant in this next week within the next 3 days or 3 games." And now you're starting to look at the schedule. And I mean just what better what better welcome back to the game matchup could you expect than Kevin Durant suiting up against P.J. Tucker, right? It just makes sense. They're, they're, they're good friends. They, they love competing against each other. That's the matchup I'm circling as thinking that he could return there. But again, you know, and I've said this a number of times, the Nets have to be cautious. If you think back to uh, within the last year, the Nets have had two significant injury setbacks of note. One was James Harden with a hamstring last year. He got hurt. He was rehabbing. Then he got hurt in practice. And then Joe Harris this year, he had ankle surgery. And in his rehab trying to ramp up, he hurt himself, and we haven't seen him since, right? So that's where the Nets are right now. They're being very precautious with him. They don't want to put him at risk. But at the end of the day, you look at the schedule, you look at how many games you have to play left, which now I believe is about to be 21, uh, and you need Kevin Durant on the floor to try to make up some of that space between you. So the Nets really don't want to have to play in the play-in tournament if they don't have to. Uh, so I think that we're going to see Kevin Durant come back for that Heat game. But it could be anything. Kevin Durant could say he's not ready yet and come back to the game after that. I think we're we're close to seeing KD. I'd say in the next five days we're going to see Kevin Durant. Christian, another guy that would help the Nets make up some ground is Kyrie Irving if he were able to be a full-time player. And we saw New York City Mayor Eric Adams on CNBC today, and he mentioned Kyrie by name when talking about right. the vaccine mandate. And he acknowledged while it doesn't make a lot of sense that the opposing team's players that are unvaccinated can play in the Barclays, he doesn't want to set a bad precedent when it comes or a bad example when it comes to making an exception for Kyrie versus New York City employees that have to be vaccinated in order to be employed. And so I got to ask you this because Eric Adams alluded to the fact that he was in touch with Josiah in the front office for the Brooklyn Nets. Where are we in terms of the expectation of when Kyrie Irving will be allowed to play at Barclays? 
I'll tell you this, this latest news cycle of what Eric Adams has been a blow to the Nets hopes and their optimism of Kyrie being able to return because this entire time we're banking on the key to New York City mandate being the one that when you repeal that mandate brings Kyrie back. But no, now there's a private sector mandate where if he and it kind of it's, it's baffling in a way because now Kyrie can come to Barclays Center and watch these games as a spectator <laughs> unvaccinated. He just can't play. But opposing players who aren't vaccinated can come in and play with no issue, right? It's kind of confusing. But there is a, I want to call it a loophole, there's an exemption in this, in this, in these writings from the city that says players or people who are not New York City residents uh, are not necessarily forced to, they don't necessarily have to abide by certain things. And, and, and the wording is so, so complex in some of these, some of these mandates but there is a, a an exemption in there for non-New York City residents who are coming to perform. And Kyrie lives in New Jersey. Uh, I can tell you right now, the Daily News has several lines out to City Hall to get some clarity on that exemption. So hopefully you'll see some updates on our end. But I will tell you this, you know, the Nets have kind of been banking on that mandate being repealed as the pathway for Kyrie getting back on the floor. And now they're, they're kind of just playing it by ear. And, and it's tough because we saw what Kyrie was able to do in Milwaukee. I mean, 38 points, absolutely electrifying. And if you get him on the floor for all these games with Kevin Durant, with Ben Simmons, whenever he gets back, with Andre Drummond, with Seth Curry, who's been amazing, Bruce Brown said it best, it, it's going to be scary. But if you've only got him for part of those games, it's slightly less scary, right? So I, I think the Nets right now are, are doing everything they can. But at the end of the day, they're not the ones that are writing these laws. And, and Eric Adams says he has to you know, follow the rules. Now it's just a matter of whether this the, the wording in the rules could allow potentially Kyrie to come in since he's not a New York City resident. But – we don't know what that's going to look like. So I guess we got to stay tuned and see what City Hall says. Christian, real quick, because I know we're up against it. You mentioned the convoluted loophole when it comes to the rules with the vaccine mandate and being sure. a New York City resident versus not. Would Commissioner Adam Silver in the NBA League office even allow the Brooklyn Nets to jump through that loophole to allow Kyrie Irving to play? Because we know that they've been sticklers when it comes to compliance with vaccine mandates across the league. Well, you, that, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I, I obtained a memo from the league that they sent out to teams at the beginning of the season, and that basically said, hey, we don't want you guys to break any rules, right? We don't want you guys to break the law to have any players participate in some of these games. But if it's written, if the city then decides that, hey, Kyrie qualifies for this exemption based on the rules we have written in stone, I don't think that's a loophole. I don't think that's breaking the law. I think that's kind of, in a way, following the letter of the law. So a lot of this is – it's determined by how we break down the, or how the city is going to break down some of their own writing, right? Like, it's kind of crazy. We're asking the city to, for clarification on things that they wrote, and they don't seem to have clear answers on it. Uh, but I think, you know, Adam Silver has been consistent in that he wants these teams to follow the law set forth by their market. So if the city goes ahead and says, hey, you know, Kyrie qualifies for this exemption, then who knows? I think that the league would be in favor for that. So, Again, it boils down to Eric Adams and, and City Hall and, and how they kind of break down their own writing and their mandates. But uh, I think, you know, just from what Eric Adams said this morning, I don't think the Nets are as optimistic as they once were. But, you know, only time will tell. We'll see what happens in the next week or so. That's kind of the game we've been playing all season. Who knew that the state of New Jersey, where the Nets used to play, would have an effect on the Brooklyn Nets when it comes to the playoffs <laughs> and Kyrie Irving? This is 2021 sports at its finest when things like that could affect the playoff team or the playoff fortunes of a team. If you get a chance at him on Twitter, he is Chris Splash. He is I'm at Christian Winfield. Nets an NBA reporter for the New York Daily News. Gracious with his time joining Freddie Coleman and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. Christian, keep up the great work, my friend. We'll talk to you soon.
Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, as always. Outstanding. So, by the way, running three miles while talking to the Nets Twitterverse. That is a committed man when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. By the way, you can commit to us on Twitter. Chris's handle at ChrisCanty99. My handle at Coleman ESPN. 30 minutes from this is the dude that baseball needs so they can come together. That comes to you in 30 minutes. But Kyler Murray, the Cardinals, believes in himself so much that he had his agent do this today. And boy, is my man Chris Canty. How about what Bart Scott said about that? That's next on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. He's Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, ESPN Plus, and Sirius X and Channel 80 presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with, with Progressive save over $700 on average. You can hit us up anytime you want. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So the whole situation involving Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals took another turn on Monday. Murray's agent, Eric Burkhardt, said in a statement that the quarterback has sent a detailed contract proposal to the team. The statement notes that in order to consistently compete for championships, this franchise needs long-term stability, and that is what Kyrie, Kyler Murray is offering. When Bart Scott from Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio, noon to 3 o'clock Eastern time, Monday through Friday, heard about that, he had this to say. You don't get what you, what you want. You get what you've earned, and you haven't earned an extension. Because guess what? We have given you everything you wanted. And when we sign you and give you that money, guess what? We are going to have to take some players away because we can't afford them. And if, th- if you can't win with this type of roster, how are you going to win when we take things away? Freddie, <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. Bart Scott been in the game way too long to say some ignorant stuff like that. And I say it's ignorant because he should know better. There's no way that he can look at this and say, well, you know, when it comes to the quarterback position, it's a true meritocracy and guys only get paid exactly what they're worth. When the, when the Indianapolis Colts traded for Carson Wentz from Philadelphia, did Carson Wentz earn the contract extension that Chris Ballard gave him? Did he earn that? Because it sure didn't look like it in those last regular season games against the Raiders and against the Jacksonville Jaguars. When the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years ago gave Kirk Cousins a contract extension, did Kirk Cousins earn that money? I'm sorry, because it sure didn't look like it when he's had back-to-back losing seasons. So to say that it's a true meritocracy and you only earn what you're, you only get what you've earned is absolutely ridiculous. But then also the notion that Kyler Murray hasn't earned the respect of that organization to the tune of a contract extension is absolutely ridiculous. This was a three-win team when he got drafted first overall. You know why they had the number one overall pick? Because the Arizona Cardinals sucked. They were awful. <laughs> And they took Kyler Murray. They were 5-10-1 in the first year, 8-8 eight and eight in the second year, and this past year, 11-6, and six, and they made the playoffs. I'm sorry. That's exactly what you're looking for from Carson Wentz. I mean, from Kyler Murray. That's what the Indianapolis Colts wanted from Carson Wentz. He couldn't deliver, but Kyler Murray did. So I, I, I sit here and I think about players not acknowledging the leverage that quarterbacks have respective to the other positions on a team. Because the quarterback is the only guy that if you take him away from the team, the rest of $180 million or $190 million that the team has devoted to salaries in their roster is irrelevant. You take Kyler Murray off the Arizona Cardinals, what does their 2022 outlook look like? Not good. I can promise you that. So when we have this conversation, I always think about the alternative for the Arizona Cardinals. And they don't have one. Not in terms of being able to replace 
Kyler Murray and get similar production from another quarterback. They have built this entire organization around Kyler Murray. And right now, your signal caller, who up until the middle of November was playing at an MVP level before he got hurt, he wants a contract extension because he's eligible for one. This is the time when the organization has to lean on the relationship capital that they built up with Kyler if they're not going to give him an extension. But if this is something that he wants and he's being vocal about it to this degree, then they damn well better consider it. But to take it off the table and say, well, we don't like the way that you're going about it or we don't like the little immaturities that you've shown throughout the course of the last several weeks, that, that ain't the way to go about it. So everybody's criticizing Kyler for how he's going about his business. You need to start looking at Steve Kahn and the Arizona Cardinals and how they're handling this because a part of the job description as the general manager and the head coach is to have a good relationship with your quarterback, especially when he's the number one overall pick. Chris Canty, that's him, Freddie Cohen. That's me on ESPN Radio. I'm not going to go to the other side of you. I'm going to go to the other side when it comes to the Cardinals. The Cardinals and every other NFL team, Chris, and that's not to say you're not spot on, but they do not want players to have that kind of control. There are plenty of owners out there that saw what happened last year with Aaron Rodgers that has carried over into this year with the Green Bay Packers, and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth when it comes to ownership groups. They do not want this to become an avalanche of players, especially at that position when it comes to the quarterback position, dictating the terms of what they want their direction to go when it comes to finances, when it comes to the direction of that organization. They do not want NFL players, Chris Canty, getting in touch with their inner NBA player. That's the last thing they want because they see what kind of control those players have in that league. And it hasn't made the NBA worse, to be honest with you. The NBA knows, look, if we want to keep star power here, what do we have to do? We have to have conversations with stars. Mm. The Cardinals organization, playing organizations, they want players to play and let us run the football team. And players more than ever before are going to say, we're a big part of what your program is. And if we don't have a say-so, we're going to get that say-so either here with you or we're going to get it somewhere Freddie else. Freddie C., the players are the product. And that's, that's as simple as that. And I think more NFL players are becoming aware of it, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the quarterbacks. These guys know the kind of power, the kind of leverage that they can wield against these organizations. All you got to do is look at what Aaron Rodgers is doing with the Green Bay Packers. Look how he's handling that situation. Look at what Dak Prescott did with the Dallas Cowboys. Look how he handled that situation. It's not like players are unaware of the power that they have, especially at the quarterback spot. And that's why I say quarterback is unlike any other position. That dude is closer to the front office and ownership than he is the other 52 guys in the locker room. And so how you handle that absolutely matters. And then to take it a step further, you got to think about the message that you're sending to the rest of your locker room because of what Kyler Murray has done with that team and how he's produced. Why would the organization want to make that guy wait? If they're going to make him wait, then they can make anybody else wait in terms of what they produce relative to what they're getting paid. Because Kyler Murray's only getting $5.5 million this year. He's probably about $30 million underpaid going into 2022. The organization is in a position where they can make that right, and that's what they should do because that's what Kyler Murray wants. Well, does Kyler Murray deserve more support, or does he deserve more respect from the Arizona Cardinals? You can hit us on Twitter at ChrisCanty99. And at Coleman ESPN, don't forget the phone number as well, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Does Kyler Murray deserve more support or more respect? We will hear from you. Meanwhile, this is what we need to do when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers going forward. And what does Will Smith have to do with that? 
That's next on ESPN Radio with Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman. But first, a word from Indeed. If your hiring needs are heating up, you don't have to do it all yourself. If you need to hire, you need Indeed, the all-in-one hiring platform that makes it easy to attract, screen, and interview candidates. With tools like Instant Match, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description the moment you sponsor a post. Invite them to apply, and you can even set a schedule and conduct interviews from all your employer dashboard. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. ESPN Radio. There's a new HBO show coming out about Magic and the Lakers back in the 80s and 90s called Winning Time. The current Lakers, the opposite of that. We're going to explain exactly what Will Smith has to do with that here with Chris Canty and Freddie Coleman and ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80 as well as tune in. But Don in Dallas at 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Chris Canty, he wants to challenge you what he had to say about Bart Scott, who says that the Cardinals need to let Kyler Murray know that he has to know his place, and you took issue with Bart Scott. Don in Dallas, what you got to say? I hate to call people ignorant, but since he went out Uh-oh. to my boy Bart, I'm sorry, Kyler Murray was rejected number one overall, overall pick. He's getting paid according to where he was drafted. So he's getting paid according to exactly what he is in this year and everything. So he's not being underpaid. The second ignorant thing he said was about uh, Kyrie Irving well, weeks ago about his draft, uh, his uh, vaccine, vaccine status. I don't know what. Well, Don, Don, let's take, take it, let's take it one at a time, Don. Let's take it one at a time because we're talking about Kyler Murray right now, right? We'll have time to talk about Kyrie Irving a little bit later in the show. But in talking about Kyler Murray, can we agree that Kyler Murray is underpaid relative to the production that he's bringing to the table for the Arizona Cardinals? Can we agree on that? Can we agree on that? Don, 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 forget about where he drafted him. I'm talking about current value to the franchise. Is Kyler Murray worth more or less than $5.5 million? Hold on. They drafted uh, him. No, 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 Don. I'm just asking you a question. I don't need the the the, the, the history lesson about where they drafted Kyler Murray. Is he worth more than five and a half million dollars to the Arizona Cardinals today? Yes or no? If he was a six round draft pick, yes. <sighs> okay, Don. I, 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 I don't know what you, I, Don. I don't know what you want me to say. He was taken number one overall and has lived up to the expectations. The guy has. Changed the culture with the Arizona Cardinals. They have had incremental improvement every year he's been the starter. 5-10-1 the first year, 8-8 eight eight the second year, 11-6 this year, made the playoffs. What more do you want from him? He was drafted. They were a three-win team. What, what Chris, do you want now, from him? Now, now, hold on, hold on. Now answer this one here, Chris. Now, would the Cardinals have drafted him if they didn't have those expectations? Well, I'm not, say, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying they should not have expectations. What I am saying is he has met their expectations. And if he has, and this is a guy that you believe is your franchise quarterback, then what are we waiting on? It's only going to get more expensive the longer that we wait. So in terms of the team doing a deal right now as opposed to later, it actually makes some sense. And Eric Burkhart, Kyler Murray's agent, alluded to it. If you do a deal now in the short term, it does give you some cat relief. Cat relief that you might need in order to continue to surround Kyler Murray in the short term with the requisite pieces that it takes to get past where you got this year. All I'm saying is, if it's the quarterback position, knowing how important he is, this is a relationship that you don't want to sour because you can't replace this guy. You can't go out and find another Kyler Murray. They're not readily available. So if you got okay, a top true. ten, if you got a top ten to twelve quarterback, you might want to focus on trying to keep that guy happy. 
rather than ticking him off by saying we're not going to pay him. And beyond that, this guy has shown some immaturity that makes me question what he is. Okay. Now, can I address the Kyrie deal? Because I've been trying to call in for weeks since I heard your stance on the Kyrie situation. Okay, go ahead. trying to call in. Go ahead. Okay. Now, you're telling me that Kyrie is being selfish and all this stuff here because he's putting other players at jeopardy if he goes out on the court. I don't know what vaccine you have. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. That's not. No, 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 Don. That's not what I said. And we got to say goodbye to you. We appreciate it. I mean, if we let you stay on any longer, you might be a co-host with me and Freddie Coleman. In other but words. What, I, what I said about Kyrie is that he was being selfish and putting his own individual interests above the team. And it's not just with the vaccine. If you go back to last year when they traded for James Harden in the middle of the season, Kyrie went AWOL for two weeks. Nobody on the Nets knew where he was. I don't know what job you have. But if you go ghost on your employer for two weeks, I'm pretty sure you're not going to come back and make tens of millions of dollars. But that was the case with Kyrie then. And then this year, he took a hard line stance when it came to being vaccinated. He said he wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. And that was the premise for him not being vaccinated. And in, in the interim, it created a burden for James Harden and Kevin Durant in terms of the amount of minutes that those guys logged. Through the first couple of months of the season, both of those guys were in the top five in minutes played. And both of those guys have dealt with significant injuries this season. So I can understand why James Harden wanted to get the hell away from Brooklyn because he realized a guy that should be an integral part of a championship contender in Kyrie had proven himself to be unreliable. It's not just with the vaccine, but it's with everything that comes along with Kyrie. That was my point. So in other words, down in Dallas. When keeping it real goes wrong. When it comes to Kyrie Irving here with Chris Canty and Freddie Coleman on Freddie, <laughs> I had to do that to him. I didn't want to do it to down in Dallas, but I had, hey, he tried to get out there. He, he misquoted you. At that point, we had to put that drop on him to make sure it's going to work. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we appreciate the call, though. Oh, Keep absolutely. him coming, Freddie. Yeah, See? No That's what we it. want. Yeah, we no want that. Because it, when you put it this way. I don't know what we're yelling about. There was an issue here with Chris Canty and Freddie Coleman here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X from Channel 80 as well as tune in. And when it comes to Los Angeles Lakers, I hate to do this to everybody who are Laker fans. I want the Lakers to be the center of the conversation, the NBA. But to quote the great Will Smith from the great episode involving Juggles the Clown and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, this is what we need to do with the Lakers and treat them like this from now on. Let me say something to you as a friend. You suck. The reason you can't get work, uh-huh. it's not because people don't like you, man. Right. You know, it's not because people don't want to give you a chance. Nope. It's because you suck. Thank you. We can stop having this narrative about the Los Angeles Lakers because so many people, Chris Canty, they want them to be right. They want them to get right. This is who the Lakers are. That's not going to change. LeBron can say this about going to Cleveland over here or staying with the Lakers over there, but just like Will Smith said it, the Lakers and the fan base, I hate to bring it to you, your team, they suck. They're 27-33. and 33. They lost to the Pelicans. You know what Lakers team I watched last night? Not the Lakers versus the Pelicans, Chris Canty. I watched the real Lakers team, NCI's Los Angeles, with Sam Hanna, Callen, Kinsey, and Deeks. That was a better Los Angeles team than I want to see for the Lakers. So it's nothing personal, Chris Canty. I know you're a Lakers fan. Mm. But to the, everybody that wants to have the Lakers be right a topic of conversation, this should be the narrative. It's nothing against you, Lakers, but you suck. And that's how it goes. Freddie C., at this point, you're you're probably right. NCISLA probably rates higher than my Los Angeles Lakers right now. And that's that's a sad state of affairs. What you said right now, it, it, it cut me deeply. 
I'm not trying it, to. It by wounded the way. me. I'm hurt right now, <laughs> and I and do I that. don't know how I'm gonna bounce back and do the rest of the show. I have no idea. Why 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 kick a man when he's down? I'm not trying to kick you when you're down. But you but did though. I did. It wasn't per like they like Nino Brown said. Business B never personal. That's what it comes down to with the Los Angeles. And you know what? You, you sound you made me feel like G Money when you said that just now. <laughs> C and B. Yeah, I thought that's I thought that I thought we all we got, but clearly that's not the case. Not with you going at my team like that, bro. Very, very painful. <laughs> oh my goodness, I couldn't resist. But I mean, I'm Chris. I know you're tired of it. You're tired, like you mentioned before we got in the air today. You're tired of Russell Westbrook only having one assist by the five minute mark. You're tired of Dwight Howard holding the basketball on the bench trying to find some kind of hope for this team. You're tired of LeBron James talking about wanting to play with Bronny and not staying with the Lakers. Nothing personal, Lakers. But as of right now, you suck. You suck. <laughs> it's nothing Matt, personal. Matt Lack, can we go to break? I'm can we go, go to break? break? I'm just asking the producers, I, can we go to break? We'll I need a moment. On. We'll just move on. Chris going to have his moment. I'm Freddie Coleman here in ESPN Radio. We're going to let him have his moment switch gears because this is the dude that baseball needs to have in the room for them to come together even though that dude is not a part of baseball. That's next. You suck. You suck. ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to see what you have to say at Coleman ESPN and at Chris Canty 99 You're 10 minutes away with the word worth. When it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, that's in about 10 minutes. And I guess Derek Jeter did not want to be worth it to the Miami Marlins anymore. He not only stepped down as CEO, he also stepped down in terms of being a shareholder with the organization. He said in a statement, the vision for the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Now is the right time for me to step aside as a new season begins, end quote. So Chris Canty, Derek Jeter does not want to be part of the Miami Marlins anymore. This is the dude Major League Baseball needs to have in that room to come together, even though Derek Jeter wants away from the Miami Marlins. They need somebody to be a conduit to bring everybody together. This way, games are not going to be missed when it comes to the regular season. Derek Jeter, to me, is that guy. Yeah, Freddie, see, this is the most inopportune time to have Derek Jeter stepping away, not only from the Marlins organization, but stepping away from Major League Baseball in the business at hand. They're trying to hammer out a new collective bargaining agreement in both sides don't have a whole lot of goodwill built up with the fan bases yeah. that, that patronize their sport and that buy their entertainment product. And so to move away from a guy that probably cast the biggest shadow from any player past or present, I don't know if that's necessarily the, the thing that you, you want as the focus if you're Rob Manfred. Like you, you want to try to find guys that can be ambassadors to the game. And Derek Jeter being a part of the Marlins organization as a shareholder and as an executive, it did that. But as far as the decision, Derek Jeter is winning in this situation just because that's what Derek Jeter does. There aren't too many situations <laughs> that you can point to, whether it's in his playing career, whether it's in his charitable endeavors, his business ventures. Derek Jeter doesn't lose. And so with mm -hmm. this situation, he's cashing out. He's getting 100% of his shares out of there, which is the, he's getting the real value of the money that he invested in the team, not to mention the salary that they paid him for the last four and a half seasons. And when Derek Jeter took over the job as the chief executive of the Miami Marlins, his marching orders were clear. We're going to strip this thing down. We're going to get rid of a lot of the star players that cost a lot of money because if the team is not going to do high-level winning, 
the next best thing that you can do for ownership is to make sure that you keep one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, and that's exactly what he did. Now, it leads to an absolute abysmal product for your fan base to consume, but ultimately this was going to be a long-term rebuild process, and right now, based on our ESPN Baseball Insiders, the farm system for the Miami Marlins is ranked fourth out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball, so the future could potentially be bright for the Miami Marlins, but in the short term, it's going to look really ugly. And we talked about this a little bit off air, Mm -hmm. but the death of Jose Fernandez, their ace pitcher, two-time All-Star by the time the guy was 23 years old, his death and removing that from the top of your pitching rotation, that impacted this organization in a way that I don't think anybody really expected because they weren't able to capitalize on having guys like John Carlos Stanton, like Christian Yelich, guys that had MVPs, league MVPs in the trophy case, not to mention the best catcher in all of baseball, JT Real Muto, and what had been one of the best outfielders in Marcel Ozuna. So this was a team that was stacked from a talent standpoint when it came to position players. They were just a little short when it came to pitching, especially starting pitching, but Jose Fernandez covered up a lot of those ills until his untimely passing, and then all of a sudden the organization just couldn't bounce back from that. So it was a tough spot for Derek Jeter to be in. It's a very unpopular position to be in, but we can understand how the Miami Marlins got here. Chris Canty, Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio. Here's something else, and you raised this point before we came on today, Chris, about Major League Baseball. When Derek Jeter is still your most identifiable star in Major League Baseball, and that's a major, major problem because you can't say that about the NHL. You can't say that about the NFL. You can't say that about the NBA, where the most identifiable star is somebody that played baseball a while ago. Mm-hmm. And as long as you continue to have that in Major League Baseball and you have this bickering back and forth between the owners and the players, and you and I mentioned this as well, and you mentioned it first, about you erode your feeder system when it comes to young people that may want to get involved in your sport, but if you don't give a bleep, why should they? They keep continuing to have misstep after misstep after misstep in Major League Baseball, and yet they're not bright enough with a lot of bright minds to try to find out a way to fix this to make sure these kind of missteps don't continue regarding this sport. Yeah, Freddie, see, what they're missing is the fact that when it comes to trying to attract a younger younger demographic, there's an opportunity cost with the way that they're going about negotiating the collective bargaining agreement because, you know, when we start talking about baseball, There's a lot of optimism, a lot of excitement for opening day, which was scheduled for Mm -hmm. March 31st. When you look at the sports calendar, there really ain't a whole lot going on right then. Like the NBA playoffs haven't really picked up right at that time. You don't really have a whole lot going on in the way of the NFL. So it just seems like it makes sense to capitalize on that time in the schedule. And by potentially missing that portion of the season, you're missing an opportunity to try to appeal to a younger fan. He's Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on ESPN Radio. When it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers, this part of that lazy narrative needed to stop yesterday, the minute that he traded for James Harden. That's next. 